So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Welcome, everybody, to this Tuesday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and I have here with me Gene Victoria Norlock. How are you, Gene? I'm good, Rick. What's going on? Excellent. Well, I'm doing good, too. I thought we would, uh, you know, what's going on? I don't know. I thought we'd do a radio show. All right. Sound like fun to me, anyway. Sure. Besides, it was the excuse I used with Molly for not taking her outside, because she was laying in the bed, and I told her get up, let's go outside. She wouldn't come. So then she got up like five minutes ago and I was like, sorry. <laughs> Day late, dollar short. Gosh darn it, poor dog. Rayo show. And then she did. She went right straight to the couch and got on her little pillow where she stays when I'm on the radio. So she knew exactly what I was saying. I don't think she liked it, but she knew what I was saying. <laughs> Such a pleasant puppy your dog is. Vortex puppy. Vortex puppy. I have neurosis dog. <laughs> I've got a I've got a coffee mug I have to pack up and send to you. It's got a picture of a dachshund standing on a step stool in a kitchen. And it says, while their owners sleep, nervous little dogs prepare for their day. And the dachshund is getting espresso from a machine. It's probably what my dog does when nobody's looking, because all he does all day is twitch, twitch. Caffeine up, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Chihuahuas are so weird. Anyways, I've had them for seven years. You'd think I'd get used to it, but those bug eyes are still freaking me out. Aw. And you know, it looks like he swallowed a baseball. And it got stuck in his skull. Oh, and yeah, yeah. The Chihuahua head, yes, doesn't really quite seem to fit, but you know. No, he's so cute, but and he looks at you with those eyes. I don't know what happened. I was trying to look at the calendar, and it just was going zoom, 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 way too fast. I couldn't see what was zipping past. It's kind of like the regular days, which are going by so fast that we don't know what's happening anymore. Yeah, that's been a little weird too. Gotta say, last couple of weeks, just zooming. Yeah. Yeah, time does seem to be speeding up exponentially. Don't know what that's all about. Well, it could just be because of how much fun we're having. Because you know what they say about time and fun. Time flies when you're having fun? Right. So ah. we must be having a blast. So this must be a really good year for everybody then. Yeah. I hear a lot it. of people saying that the time is just going by way too quickly. Speaking of time going by quickly, I don't think we have but uh, two weeks from today 
And our dear friend and sponsor, Inez Martins, will be back for her new monthly spot. Yes, she will. Back to answer questions about uh, your beloved pets. Your pets and animals. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, we always want to mention her at the beginning of our shows because she's one of our supporters and sponsors and friends and fam. Hold, hold the suppers. Hold the suppers. Hold the suppers. Yeah. <laughs> We'd like to make a list of our hold the suppers. That's a technical term. <clears throat> We um, we should probably give a shout out to our other hold of supper. Well, because next week Janet Caldwell will be here, and she is from Inner Child. Inner Child, absolutely. So that's how I was trying to. I was working backwards. Ah. Oh. Two weeks from now we have Inez, and then well, who do we have next week, Rick? Well, our other sponsor, family, I, big extended family. Uh, Inner Child you had a plan. I usually don't, and that's why I messed up because this time you had a plan. Some, sometimes I only find out I had a plan afterwards, and so that's okay too. But great group of folks over at Inner Child. I call them our extended family because they are, and uh, and I think you'll find that they'll uh, they'll treat you that way as well. Uh, lots of love and uh, support over there, and uh, I suppose I should share. Links. I'm looking at the calendar, so I can't see the chat room. So I'm not doing my job. Um, oh, lacking people. What is about the? I am. I am inner child. Innerchild.com. Com. Yeah, that is now the new best link to find the the guys at Inner Child. Uh, it will lead you to uh, everything, the magazine, the social group, the all of that stuff. So I can. Oh wow, I did have it. Okay, see, that's what I get for not looking. Uh, and I think I do still have Inez there. Yeah, Inez's link. For those that don't know, you haven't heard me. You know, zooming on about it before, I have a post, uh, a text file, a notepad text file that's got links in it so I can be organized. But, eh, not, not so organized. But, but, eh, it's okay. And for those who are listening who can't hear the chat room or see the chat room, it's www.inesmartins.com. Ah, yes. Sorry. I meant to pronounce that. <laughs> I'm just going to. Take the night off and let you, you and do that. Olivia talk. Yeah. How about we bring Olivia on and yes. I'll talk to Olivia. Ask the patient's desk. Because you didn't get to talk to Olivia much last time. I really so didn't. I'll let you lead anyway. Um, but, uh, folks, we have with us tonight, uh, most of you probably know, uh, Olivia Rosewood. And uh, we're going to talk about a new book. And we're going to talk about her blogging at Huffington Post. Um and uh, I've got her link to her Huffington Post blog profile page up in the chat room. Uh, it's, of course, HuffingtonPost.com forward slash Olivia hyphen Rosewood, uh, spelled just like it sounds. So, Olivia, how are you? Hi. I'm well. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, I'm happy to be here with you guys. I love your show. Uh, we're excited to have you back and because you've got exciting news, and we like new, exciting news. It's like Christmas. <laughs> it Presents. 
It is presence and presence. So, my, do you want to know what my exciting news is? Yeah, what the hell is your exciting news? Do you want to break the exciting news, or should I? Oh, you should. break the break. Okay. So, my exciting news is that I am about to release my self-published book called Please Meditate, It's Good for You. And it's available for pre-order now, and it'll be available to ship on Thursday from Amazon.com. So, exciting. That is totally exciting. And there's something really unique about this book that you've done that I haven't seen with many other books. Um, Um, The videos. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm taking full uh, advantage of technology, um, I think, as far as I know, and um, using YouTube.com to support the book because as I was writing out all of these meditations, there are 38 different meditations styles that I share in the book and I'm I'm trying to describe some very visual things like okay and then you touch your thumbs in this way and you should be sitting in this way and then your arms do this and I'm thinking how are people going to I hope that they understand what I'm trying to communicate and then I realize wow I can just show them for free internationally on YouTube so all of the meditations have support on YouTube if you're reading it and thinking, what am I supposed to do with myself? You can just watch a demonstration. Which is sheer brilliance, really. And it's amazing. And I I love I love technology. I know that it has its drawbacks, but I feel like it's really um a powerful tool and it's a matter of how we use it. Very much like thought, you know, thought can make you a neurotic mess. Or, on the other hand, if you if you can use it in a more masterful way, it, it can really be helpful. So, yeah, I'm loving technology. It's it's an absolutely now. I'm only on I'm only on the um, first first week of the book. Okay. But the introduction has me hooked. Now, for okay. those who listen and who read my work and who know me well. Um, know that my argument is often, you know, not everybody can meditate by sitting quietly and going home. <laughs> so I'm I'm always encouraging, you know, because I've been hammered for a very long time by people. Meditate? Do you meditate? Do you meditate? Do you meditate? Do you meditate? And just, you know, it got to the point where I was just like, leave me alone. <laughs> Because I, I got sick and tired of explaining people that when I'm writing, that's my way of listening. Yeah. Um, so, but I have real appreciations. This is from a girl who has fought the meditation cycle. You know, I've been, <laughs> I've been fighting meditation for How a while. How many long. years did you meditate before on, you started channeling? I'm on a mission to, you know really just tell these people to leave me alone. And then you, you send me this book, and I start reading it, and i got to tell you I'm hooked. Wow. Really good. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. It's because you come from a perspective of accepting that meditation is a form of communication with self. And you openly state right from the beginning that not all forms work best for everybody. Yes. And that you have to find your own path to that communication. 
Yes. She got me. That's... Well, that it's it's definitely been my experience that not everything works for everyone. We're human beings, and we we're, we're we can be rather complicated, and you know, it's not not every single type of meditation is for everyone. But there are so many ways to meditate, and I should clarify that when I say meditate, I mean finding your your inner peace finding peace within yourself. Um, there's so many ways to find that peace. I really feel strongly that there's a way for everybody. You know? And it's worth it's worth trying. It's worth it. Oh, absolutely. And you're doing the first, I'm not going to ruin the book for everybody because I <laughs> just, I strongly recommend that people pick pick this book up. Um, but just even the first week's practice, it's so easy to do and such a simple concept. Yeah, and I think meditation is simple. I've had so many teachers in my life who who will kind of ex- just extemporate, you know, and talk in a rather complicated way for a couple of hours and then say, but really meditation is simple. It's not a doing, it's more of an undoing. And, you know, the bottom line for all of these brilliant teachers is that meditation is the simplest thing in the world, and humans have the tendency to complicate it, you know? So why do we do that? Why? Because, you know, I've had a lot of people approach me about the meditation, and there's always, there's always this undercurrent of complexity and ritual and and all this stuff and, you know like around you said, it sometimes even the meditation teachers start off with the complicated explanation and yeah. and have lost me before they ever get to the but it's really simple me part. too yeah yeah well why why we do it i mean the the simple answer is just that it's that it's ego and um on the other hand, I, I think it also has to do with uh, the reality that meditation is experiential. And I, I think that some teachers have the best intentions when they're trying to explain something that can't be explained. They're trying to explain an experience that they've had through meditation with words, which you really, I mean, maybe we shouldn't be trying to explain it so much, but instead just say, go ahead and try. Go ahead and, and go for it because it's really an experience that you have to have for yourself. Do you know what I mean? Um, I was looking through I was looking through my book because I was double checking for typos and things like that and I got to the Tibetan section and and I realized, wow, some of this um, I was just remembering some of my experience with Tibetan teachers. It, it can get so complicated because it's also thousands of years old. So teacher after teacher has added their two cents to to a practice until you know you have a full 500-page volume of information about the practice before you even get to what the practice is. And ultimately, what the practice is is gazing at the sky. It's very simple, <laughs> you know. Wow. 
time, an accumulation of time that each person, each teacher, who's wonderful and probably just beloved by their students, they have something to say about a practice. And so it's written down and it's kept and it's preserved and it's taught. But it just, it, it accumulates over time, you know. And the actual practice has stayed the same for all of those thousands of years. And it's, it's rather, rather simple. So you get that whole piled-on explanation, and then you get the original practice, which is gaze at the sky. Gaze at the sky. <laughs> I have to agree with you. If everybody came in for their meditation seminar and the teacher said, okay, everybody, for the next 10 minutes, gaze at the sky, <laughs> it, I, why couldn't that be as effective or more, maybe more effective than meditation began once upon a – just – well, what's great is that times are changing. I I feel like, you know, um, people, at least people that I know personally, are much more open now to meditation and there's science behind meditation. I think that the three-hour lecture that would have preceded a meditation practice has gone out the window because it, it used to be probably a credibility, you know, like, oh, Here's here's why this works. First, we have to get past your your criticism and tell you all of this information. And so, you're breaking down. The teacher might be breaking down the inner critic of their student by saying, and then Hustafa said, and so and so said. You know, by repeating this lengthy history. Whereas now, I feel like a lot of people are so open that you know maybe they don't need to be broken down so much. And you can just say, here's the meditation. Let's try it. You know, there's already that open receptivity. Yeah, and um, it seems like people are open to give it a try without too many fixed um, ideas. It wasn't that I, well, it was that I didn't know what meditation was when I was first being, you know, you should meditate mm-hmm. 20 Twenty something years ago, uh, I I didn't know, but I thought I did. Yeah. Meditation was this weird thing that weird people did. You know, <laughs> yeah. my uh, parents, God bless them, were quite you know red state Republican, and you know that's just that's what those weird people do. So right. You, yeah. You got to have robes and weirdness and I, wow, <laughs> and it's not like that at all, really. No, it's not. And and I think we have science to thank for that. But probably before science got involved with meditation, the Beatles got involved with meditation. And a lot of rock stars got involved with meditation. And, and that did a lot for opening people up to it, you know, it, because it was something that weird people did uh I mean, that's how it was considered. For a yeah, if you time. saw a PBS special with a, we're going to have a class on meditation, it was, you know, somebody with a shaved head and an orange robe. And, <laughs> you know, it's not that funny. you'd know anything about orange robes, but. <laughs> I do. But uh, yeah, I'm just teasing. But, but you don't need one. That's what I learned. I, you know. Yeah, you don't have to be there. And no. uh, I know some channeled, you know, communications have said, well, you know, a hundred years ago, five hundred years ago, it was kind of you almost did have to go off somewhere to be able to get that quiet enough, but that it's different yeah. now. So 
It's true. In India, they, I mean, a big part of the reason that people put on the orange robes, and I guess I should explain for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, but the orange robes in India mean that you have become a sannyasi or a renunciate. It means that you've given up worldly life, given up seeking satisfaction in the world, and you're announcing to the world by wearing an orange robe that you are seeking fulfillment from within through meditation. And uh, in India, you'll either go by yourself to a cave or you'll join an ashram, which is a, a spiritual community. So but it's, it's true that in India for a long time, especially for women, you're, you really had to choose between worldly life where you were a householder and you would devote all of your energy to cleaning the house and raising the children, uh, and the man devoted all of his energy to making money, um, that you either had to choose that life or choose the spiritual life. You didn't really, you couldn't do both. And um, now, I think in that country and in this country, times have changed enough that um, the spiritual life is becoming part of daily life. You know, the two are becoming uh, not only intertwined, but, you know, it's all spiritual in a sense. Oh, absolutely. You know. Uh It's really confusing to me to contemplating, to contemplate the separation of the two. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You would, you would think that you would want to integrate the spirituality into everyday existence. Well, more, it would create yeah. a more peaceful world. I think that that's what's happening. I, I mean, most spiritual people uh, and teachers that I've encountered agree that there's a quickening in the spiritual development of the world. But, I mean, you have to reflect on human history and how many wars we've been involved with um, cross-culturally, not just Americans, but, you know, in in the world, there's been ongoing stress and strife. There's been a lot of struggle, uh, famine. And I think as a mother, you probably would know that, with you know, when you raise a child, that becomes just protecting your child becomes such a, a primary focus. And if you're in a in a world that isn't safe, if you're in a world that is, you know, India, for example, had wars going on all the time, not only between kingdoms, but then eventually they were occupied by England, and, and that was highly problematic. So I think becoming a householder for a long time as a human being um, just had the issue of protecting just keeping your children alive, you know, that occupied 100% of your consciousness. And the contemplation of deepening your understanding of the universe or the human place in the universe or our connection, our oneness with the all that is, it took a second second place to to that need for safety. And much to, to the human being's credit, we do have a lot more safety. We have more free time. Um, there is still war, obviously, um, but many well, actually, still have the opportunity to. 
I was just thinking it's a really um, strange irony that our need for protection and for survival created a division between our spiritual life and our everyday life, whereas now our need for survival, really when you think in terms of, of, you know, global humanity and the family of global humanity, in order for us to survive and to thrive, our spirituality needs to become a part of our daily daily life. Yeah. So it's yeah, that's rather ironic that it's taken such a... Yeah, or you could even say the industrialized life that has kind of taken us away from our natural food sources and that sort of thing. But it also may have been what gave us the leisure time to pursue these things. Well, and there's also a metaphor in in what Jean is talking about with the the larger humanity that, you know, so we've kind of slowed down on the hand-to-hand combat every day. Mm-hmm. And and that's great as you know, on on a larger scale. And then you have to think on a, a personal level um for for a human being to begin to pursue meditation or inner peace or even thoughts of creating a functional, peaceful life. You have to have a commitment to to wanting to live a peaceful life. You know, there's a certain um you need to be aligned with with wanting peace in your life. And there are, surprisingly, still people whose daily lives are something of a war zone. You know, even if it's just emotionally, if they're arguing with themselves or with family members or if they're creating constantly creating conflict, there may not yet be an opening there for the cultivation of more peace, of more bliss and happiness. You know? Yeah, because a, a, a child some centuries ago might have come up with, you know, to the parent with, you know, but shouldn't we try to all get along? And, and But they had at least daily, often daily reminders that, you know, you better have your sword with you or your club with you or your whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, but for a lot of people, fortunately, not so much anymore. But like you said, there are people that are still living their lives very much that way, even from a emotional or uh, or business competitive way. You know, yeah. everybody's out to get me. Yeah. yeah, well, think of business, the business world. I mean, that's been there, done that. It's uh, cutthroat. Kill or be killed. Yeah, Time it soon. really is. And, I mean, it's suit and tie. And kill or be killed means, you know, you got the sale and the other guy didn't, so his family doesn't eat today. But it's still fighting for survival in just in a different way, I guess. Yeah. Because if you don't make the stats, you get laid off, fired, marginalized, pushed aside. Now, here's where the, the I mean, I, I don't even know if I can say this, but the, the beautiful part of that is that so when you do get laid off and you get kicked out of the business war zone, and a lot of people have been laid off. I mean, we have massive unemployment in the United States. Um, I'm not sure about Canada, but yeah, you know, we're we're struggling here too, honey. I don't I don't have a job. Yeah, people. Uh, yeah, it's it's a big. I mean, a lot of my friends are struggling with that. There's a big um, 
there's a big issue with not only getting laid off, but then there aren't these big businesses to rejoin. It's not like they're rehiring every day, you know? And so what happens is a lot of people are getting creative, which is so beautiful, you know, and doing their own projects and finding their own way in in a pretty new, you know, new and changing world. So it's possible that the traditional business structure is kind of melting away and it's becoming, there's more of a, an individual um, blossoming in people and finding ways to serve others and to connect with their world and to make a living that isn't that traditional, you know, kill or get killed business structure. So in a way, it's a, it's a beautiful change. Or it could be, but I think what paralyzes a lot of a lot of people is the depression that goes with unemployment, the um, the fear, and just not feeling powerful enough to start their own whatever it is, you know, to explore their own gifts. Yeah, particularly at first, it can be very, you know, uh, attacking towards your self-worth your certainly your sense of peace because you're not sure where you're, how you're going to feed your kid next week yeah um but i think it does it reaches the point that people you know the third or fourth time or 30th or 40th time that they get told you know gee you've got a great resume and you know i wish i could do something for you but you know times are hard yeah. and um finally one time it's you know they they come out and they just Somehow they get resigned and then after resigned, committed to, oh, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go walk in. There. i got to do something. And mm-hmm. and then they do. And we hear stories here on the show, and I, I see them all the time on uh, projects that folks are sharing on Facebook of, you know, yeah, well, I didn't set out to, you know, run a fruit redistribution nonprofit in Toronto, but... <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, and um, but I had a lot of time off because I wasn't working. And this isn't her story. I don't believe she was laid off. Uh, but uh, you know, I had all this time, and so I just noticed this thing. And so now I'm the guy that does that, and they have this business of their own, and uh, it's based on personal uh, connections that they have with others. Mm-hmm. More than, you know, that they had the super duper marketing campaign. We get them sometimes don't even have a website yet. Yeah, they're just doing their thing, and yeah. uh, person to person. And uh, everybody that's, well, what do you do? What if the whole old structure falls apart? What do we do? Well, if you're based on interpersonal relations amongst others. Uh, that doesn't fall apart. Economic yeah. things can fall apart, maybe. Yeah. But uh, but the interpersonal relations tend to get stronger, it seems to me, when stressed, as opposed to the other way around. It's true. And, and they show, your relationships throw, show their, their true colors, I think, when there's stress in the world. You know, people can surprise you and really come through for you. Um, people who you might not expect. Um, 
I had a very, I have a very good friend, and she always says, um, never worry about losing your job or losing a client because there are two, the only two things that you can rely on in the economy, and that's yourself and your your talents or your gifts. You know, you bring that with you wherever you go, whomever you're with. So I, I really, I feel like that's true. And meditation comes into that because it it's a way to come out of the stress, the fight-or-flight feeling of, oh, no, what am I going to do, and into a more peaceful perspective. And that can really open doors. That can really open doors in your consciousness. It can lead to creative ideas. It can lead to inspiration. Albert Einstein got all of his best ideas when he was either in the bathtub or on a stroll, relaxed, you know? Right. fear and that panic, it it fogs up perception and it fogs up our, our brains. It really does. Science has shown that. And finding clarity, I mean, no matter how you find it, no matter what kind of meditation you use, you know, I know that Jean likes to write and that's a meditation for her. Um, however you clear it, um, I don't think it matters what, which method you use as long as you find a way to get to that peaceful place, especially if you're in a stressful situation. You know, that's how you'll find your way out. Absolutely. It can be that. Uh, and and like you said, it doesn't have to be some formal sit-down uh, meditation. It For, for a long time, walking uh, was for me. Uh, the the best meditation that I had, yeah. um, and um, uh, but you know I hear people that have gotten onto law of attraction or this that or the other system you know, and they go look I know I'm I'm all messed up in my head and so I know I really shouldn't try to do anything right now because I'm just going to mess it up, but I, I don't know how to get out of this space. Yeah. And. I need a reset button, and meditation can really be that for people. It can, yes, yeah, and it, it helps also with. And I talk about this in in the book a little bit, but it helps even with more pronounced versions of stress and frustration um, that are clinically diagnosed. You know, ADD, obsessive compulsive disorder, even schizophrenia. Um, are really helped with meditation because you come out of conflicting thoughts, you come out of delusional thoughts, and you know we are all slightly delusional. We're all we can all we all have the potential to be confused. Um, so yeah, it, it really helps. Yeah, it. Uh you know, can be that way to take a step back and take the broader view. And and like you said, ideas start to come. That's the space where the ideas and things are, yeah. or where they come from. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, of course, spirits always point out that the ideas are always there and always coming. You just can't hear them. But, uh, you know, so saying that that's the space where they come from is maybe... A misnomer, but but I think the image works of of 
you know, that's the uh, people talk about having great ideas in the shower, <laughs> um, bathtub, sitting on the toilet. You know, I do my best thinking in there. <laughs> it, it it may just be because they go in there and they sort of disconnect from what's going on because now they're doing what they're doing in there, and we do that all on autopilot pretty much. And yeah. it can be enough to give you a moment to regroup. Sometimes it doesn't take very long to regroup. But I didn't put that one in the book, Rick. Oh, I should have talked to you first. Right? <laughs> the shower meditation, the bathroom meditation. Bathroom meditation. Oh, that'll turn <clears throat> volume two. But, um, um, yeah, but it is, I think, the reason that that's true. Yeah. And I think some people sing in the shower just because they get disconnected enough to start to be happy and joyful. And yeah. that's when you sing. That's when you can sing. Also, being in the shower or the bath is great because it brings you into your body and out of your mind chatter. You know, uh, sometimes if you're really caught up in your mind, if you're really thinking and thinking and thinking, you might not even know how your body is feeling because your all of your attention is in your mind. When you get into the shower or the bath, suddenly there's stimulation all over your body. There's warmth. There's some relaxation. But it really redistributes your focus, your attention, into your entire body. And that, in and of itself, is extremely meditative and important for for inner peace. You really uh, have to go through the body for peace, not away from it, but through the body because it's a, it's almost a full body thing, you know. Oh, it is. Uh, I think it was uh, Elohim and uh, one Jane that said uh, you're experiencing your soul and merging with your soul. Your soul's insight is a full body experience. Your yeah. soul's insight's not just in your head. No, no, it's. that's where that whole again that whole idea of blended beingness comes in is that your physicality is an extension of your spirituality they're one and the same and there's there shouldn't be a separation between the two and I think we're finally starting to really understand that and it's changing the way that we interact how we communicate, how we meditate, and basically how we live, because we're starting to understand that there is, there's really no separation. You can't have the spirituality without the physicality, and you can't have the physicality without the spirituality. They're interconnected. It reminds me, too, Jean, of when I was in India and I had become a nun, I renounced the world and I thought that it would be more peaceful because I didn't I wouldn't have to worry about anything I wouldn't have to worry about money or you know I didn't have any (laughs) I didn't have to worry about things there was nothing to maintain Um, I really only had to meditate but what I what I discovered was that I was it was an escape for me that the real meditation is in facing life's challenges from a spiritual place. 
is seeing the world as a spiritual world, that going into hiding was really only delaying and burying, dealing with whatever was in my way of, of feeling peaceful all the time. And it was still inside me. All of my desires were still inside me, even if you lock them away. It's still in you, you know. But being in the world was a much more authentic spiritual experience for me. That's exactly it. I mean, we you have to think in terms of um, go back to some of the the most powerful masters in the past. Those were the people who could look at what we perceive to be evil and see beauty. Yeah, yeah. What we, you know, they could look at illness and disease and see health and wellness and well-being. So that's, you know, that's that's that. They were able to bring it. their peace yeah, to in, the chaos. Into the world. And that's, that's the blended beingness. That's taking spirit's perspective into the physical reality and saying, yes, it's all okay. And it's hard to do, but that's okay too. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. it's, it, it shouldn't be, um, it shouldn't be this thing that people struggle to attain and maintain. It should just be a part of the experience. Yeah. And it's it's I think what you're talking about I would I would call it grace. And I've experienced that with my own teachers throughout my life, people who have come into my life and really been a spiritual guide for me and one of my teachers is Eckhart Tolle who wrote The Power of Now. And so many times, I mean I met him when I was really young in my early 20s. And I I didn't know anything about um meditation or spirituality or being in the ego or not being in the ego and the way that he looked at me and the way that he looks at the world is so beautiful and special because even when I was at my worst he saw the best in me and he treated me accordingly you know and it was transformative for me that kind of grace much more transformative than someone saying, oh, no, no, don't do that, don't say that, don't wear that, don't do this. But just someone seeing you and accepting you and being with you in peace and being a a graceful emanation, it is transformative and so powerful. At the end of the day, the best way to change a person's life is to tell them how amazing they are. Mm. Let them let them express that. And 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 be there yourself in that energy in that space. Yes, be the model. As if you know, okay, all the chaos and all the stuff of life. You want to call it chaos? You want to call it excitement? Uh, loud noises? Whatever you want to call it? Life on Earth. It can be a little chaotic, seemingly. But and and everybody you see and know is in, you know somewhat in fear of the chaos. So you look around and you go, okay, I'm justified. They're all doing it. Yeah, okay. And you get in that habit, and 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 then somebody comes along that is experiencing the same. You know, you you go, can you see that? And they go, yeah. 
but but they're also at the same time experiencing a deep inner peace. Yeah. It 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 it's almost like, oh wow, I could react like that. I don't have oh, to yeah. do this anymore. The only example I've been given in my life on Earth of ah, <laughs> we're all gonna die. The sky is falling. <laughs> I mean, come on, we start in the fairy tales with the sky is falling, and mm-hmm. and the boy who cried wolf and things and. You know, sure enough, it turns out bad in the end. And, oh, there's a happy ending always somewhere. Something happens, but you know, it it uh, uh, there's just a lot of uh, examples that we're given yeah. that that our our fear in the situation is justified. That just to experience. Because I think everybody, kids through adults, they talk about kids being sensitive to vibration and know when you say I love you but you're angry and they know that that doesn't match. I think we all do. Mm-hmm. And uh, because, you know, Eckert can be there with that little kind of smirk of a grin on his face just kind of looking at you, <laughs> you know, and you just, that's different. <laughs> it is different, and I'm remembering, Rick, you've just jogged my memory. The first time I went to India, before I went and became a sannyasi, the first time I went, I went with Eckhart, and we traveled all around doing his book tour. I went with Eckhart and his, she was his, I guess his girlfriend, she's now his wife, Kim Ang, and and um, toward the end of our trip, we, we Eckhart had a retreat, and I don't remember all of the details of, of what exactly happened, but there was a gentleman um, who had been doing something um, rather, I guess, bad and that he was stealing and from, from Eckhart during this, this period. And um, I was lucky enough to be there when um, he came to Eckhart and said, and Eckhart already knew about it, he came to Eckhart and said, I'm so sorry, I've done this this terrible thing. And Eckhart said, yes, I know, I know. <laughs> like I said, what do you mean? You've known all along? Oh, yes, yes, I know, I've known. And the man had this explosion of tears and sobbing and snot and just, just this enormous cathartic moment and said, you mean you've known that I'm this terrible person and, and you've still been kind to me and you've you've still um, allowed me to be, you know, in your presence? And, and I can't remember just so calm. Yes, yes, I know, yes. And he didn't say very much, but, you know, I, that was the first time for me in my entire life that I really saw an example of grace transforming someone right in front of me, you know. It was beautiful and amazing and not something that um, that you see very often on this planet. Well. More of it, more of it, and more of it, and more of it coming, it would seem. I, I think so, but I, there's the, the issue of modeling, of, you know, are, are we able to forgive people in that way to kind of be with their dysfunction and allow it to be there and forgive them. 
you know, think, and hope for that transformation. No, it's tough, yeah, but it's not easy. It's much easier to get angry and start a conflict cycle, and you know, it is. But then that's that's where it goes back to, you know. I, I think part of meditation for me is is taking a good long look in the mirror. It's a lot more difficult um, to judge the actions of others when you can bring yourself to the point where you accept your own imperfections. Mm-hmm. Not where you ignore them or hide them, but where you can examine them, look at them, change those you wish to change, and embrace those that you're comfortable in having. And once you can do that, I think then it's it's almost, well, not impossible, but it becomes very difficult to judge another person for very long. Your knee-jerk reaction might be, oh, look what they're doing, but then automatically you're going to say, but am I no better? Yeah. You know, I mean, so it goes back to that that inner peace and balance and looking back in, in the mirror and and being able to look at your own life and say, okay, this is me, this is who I am. And if you're going to stand on your truth and be you and be who you are, then you you can't judge that other man for for being who he is. Mm. It's unfair. Well, and not just unfair, it doesn't, it's ineffective, it doesn't accomplish anything, except to stir you up. Mm, yeah. Because, you know, then it's, it's kind of like the one that I sometimes have referred to as the, the uh, hidden light worker's judgment which is that if you think that there's any work that you need to do to fix the planet, that's because you've judged that there's something wrong with it. Mm. But you don't, but they sometimes don't look at that. They're like, you know, no, everybody's perfect right where they are. But we need to fix this economy thing. <laughs> and, and, and somehow, because that's not people, or I don't know, but it, it was my hidden light worker judgment for some time, you know, of, yeah, okay, so we're light workers, so we gotta hurry up and fix all this. And uh people like Eckert and uh Muji and they just don't they don't give off any of that kind of concern at all. Even when people ask them the questions and they say, Well, there may be things that you see that you they just are not bothered. And that is Because they focus on that which is not. Right, but it, it it that is for many, and was for me the first time I encountered it. It, it that's a, a almost surprising. You almost have to sit back and go, what? <laughs> because they don't have to say anything, really. Even you know, you just know. You're like, wait a minute. They just reminded him about the whole, you know, global warming and we're all going to die, rah, thing, and. <laughs> They're not any different than they were a minute ago. What happened? What? How? What? It 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 really is almost as if I I don't know. Somebody dropped you off in a strange town. Just just plunk. You don't know anybody. You don't know anything about the the place. You you don't really speak the language, but you're starting to pick up bits and pieces. But you watch people to see what they're doing. It just seems kind of natural. 
And uh, and now all of a sudden, after a lifetime of watching people, whether it's 20 years or 40 years, after a lifetime of watching people, somebody's responding differently. And you're like, what? Somebody once said that's really a light worker's only job is to stand in a different energy so that you're offering that option to people. And then what what you say or do is kind of beside the point as long as you stand in that energy. You'll say and do the right thing to, to share it with them. And, and, it, and I think that we're beginning to see, just like people are you know facing unemployment or this or that or the other you were talking about earlier and they've got to come up with something new, people are starting to find that something new. There's a smallish number, there may be a huge number because the, the, the ones I know of don't blow their horn very much, but they go around just doing, uh, Lola Jones is one, does this thing, Divine Openings, and uh, uh, and it's what she says is, I just sit there and be in grace. And it seems to rub off on people. At first, I wasn't sure that it was a workable thing, but seems to be. <laughs> and Powerful. Um, uh, Panache des, Desai, or anyway, there's a couple of them I've seen that they they don't really do workshops. They just come and say they're gonna stand there and be in their energy, and you see what happens. And it's been transformative for others. And uh, and I do I agree that meditation is. I think even even those of us that, you know, people have asked me, how long did you meditate? You know, Esther meditated for X number of months before she channeled Abraham. How long did you meditate before you channeled Nusser? And I didn't at all. Yeah. But it's becoming more and more clear that I have in ways that I just didn't consider meditation and that it is key for me maintaining my vibration because... I can take a walk and have it be meditative, meditative, and I can take a walk and be thinking the whole time about what it is I got to do when I get back to the house, and it's not meditative. Yeah. Uh, that's maybe the only benefit of having a particular spot, or uh, what do you call the the little cushion that traditionals like Zen meditation? The zafu. Zafu. The zafu. The zafu. And the the idea with that is is. I agree that there can be some good to having a, a spot um, because, you know, you were talking about some teachers who just hold the energy. Well, if you have a space or even a shawl, um, you can charge it with your energy. So a Zafu pillow is traditionally made of silk because silk holds a charge a bit better than any other kind of fabric. And so that charge, that, that silk that's only used for meditation, when you go back to it, it more, maybe more quickly, more effectively brings you into that peaceful state of being because it's, it has that charge. Or if you have a spot, a place. But you can do it for yourself, too, just by shifting your focus. Um, but... Oh, yeah, none of these things are, I, I wouldn't want to make anybody think any of these things are needed. I'm the first okay. to say meditation does not need to have rigid, you know, 
qualifications put on it. But I don't know, yeah. Um, some people feel that. Some people are more sensitive to that than others. I mean, for some people, a, a, a walk is enough, you know, and they wouldn't care if they sat on a silk pillow ever in their lives. <laughs> and for other people, that that little bit of fabric might really be life changing. I don't know. Well, there can be there can be power in ritual, and even you know, uh, folks like Bashar that talk about you know you're always or Abraham you're always the one that does it. There can still be uh, great usefulness and power in in rituals and things, as Bashar calls them permission slips. But I know um, years ago when I tutored algebra. I, that was always one of the thing, first things I had my students do was find a place in their house that they were going to study and stop doing anything else in that particular spot. Yeah. Even if it was just to move the chair over to the spot or whatever, you know, it didn't have to be anything horrendously formal. But it's just like I've, I've never really had difficulty falling asleep. I, I either tired or not. I don't do anything in, in my bed really but sleep. I don't go in there and read and watch TV and, you know. Uh, it, and so when I go in there, it's as if my whole self knows, okay, this is sleep place, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I think that can uh, can be helpful uh, to people even even that aren't beginners, to just, you have a space that you, when you go in there, it's like writers that have a studio or library in their house and they don't do anything in there really, but read and write. They don't, you know, have guests there or whatever. Um, They kind of get in the space when they go. What was it for you for so long, Jean, the patio, the coffee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, It wasn't so much a space as um, certain energy i think it was um patios in restaurants um was really a really comfortable spot for me i don't know why because i think that most of the times when you're on a patio it's a really positive atmosphere mm-hmm. people are kind of chillaxing on a patio you know they're <laughs> um and and a coffee and a cigarette and still to this day even though i've quit smoking uh, if I'm in desperate, desperate need of a groundbreaking idea, I will get a coffee and bum a cigarette and go outside and have my smoke. And still, I'll or get an answer. writer's block or any of that. You go yeah. find a patio. Find a patio, get a coffee. I remember it was a few a weeks ago. You. I couldn't write the only until Skype, I found a cigarette. Yeah. That was the only Skype that I got from you the whole day was, I found a patio. <laughs> And then the following day, it was, I've been on the patio, and hey, listen, why don't we try this? And so, you know, knowing that their permission slips, but if it works for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I, I, sorry, I recently discovered that, because um, I started exercising again, I recently discovered that, um my exercising time, if I'm alone, sometimes I exercise with my daughter, but on the times that I'm alone, um, I get into an almost meditative state. Yeah. 
So there's so many different ways, you know? Right. And I think with this with this spot, going back to the finding the spot, it, it can be so helpful rel- in relatively speaking, but it's important also to be able to find your your peace regardless of where you are, so you don't get addicted to the Zoss's hello <laughs> as a peace giver, you know. Right, right. Yeah. You might not be able to have it all the time forever if you're you know, if you're traveling. So it's good to be flexible as well. You know? But it, it um, I don't know, here I am, the didn't used to meditate guy that's like, you know, doing your 10-week challenge so that I can see if I can uh, cultivate that a little bit. But, uh, uh, but I also see it as just sort of moving what I was doing as meditation into sort of a different space. And, and, uh, and I think that, that part of it is you... You find that peace in meditation, and then you're and you care for it, and 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 grow it, and then carry that out into the world with you. And that the same can be true if somebody you know has a space. Uh, uh, I have tried until up until uh, I started with your book. I always tried to meditate in my chair at my desk. Mm-hmm. And this is where I sit. I mean, if I didn't get up from the desks at some point late in the evening, I don't know I'd ever fall asleep because my brain just goes a thousand miles an hour sitting at this desk. But that's where I do that. Mm-hmm. It's where I do all my writing and shows and emails and posts and blogs and things is here in this spot, you know. And... um and uh, we're creatures, or at least I find, we're creatures of habit. It's easy to fall into a fall into a habit with a an energetic habit, with a, whether it be with a space or with a person or with a um, um, yeah a way of being in certain situations, and it's it can be helpful to 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 break that. But no, I, I certainly certainly that's the end. You want to be able to just carry it around with you. Because you are anyway. You just want to know that, be aware that you are. Yes. And what Jane is working on now, the first chapter is called Shifting Focus. And really that's the heart of of all meditation, is the ability to shift your focus, to decide, okay, now I'm going to focus on beauty. Now I'm going to focus on trust. Or now I'm going to completely shift my focus away from the razzle-dazzle of, of the world and to to my breathing. I'm just going to focus on my breath. Just realizing that you can shift your focus, that you have a steering wheel, and it's, your, it's what you give your attention to can completely transform your experience of life, you know? Well, and it's what Abraham preaches and Bashar preaches and I preaches and Jane preaches. Is you got to shift your focus, people. Okay, well, <laughs> here's practice. You say, how do you do that? Well, I don't know. But you should try meditating. And they, I don't know why they don't go ahead and make the connection of 
That's really what meditation is, is a conscious, voluntary shift of focus. It is. Gina, I'm curious what you, which one you chose for the first chapter. Oh, um, beauty. And how did it go? It's it? been going well. Um, I I try to get outside, but it's uh, I pick I picked a heck of a week for it because it's been raining and cold all week long. Um, um so I've. Found some interesting ways. Um, I was—I can't even remember where I was sitting, but the shadows on the ceiling um, were really, really cool. So, focused on that for a few minutes. Um, it says in your book, you know, sometimes it's easier if you go outside. Because, but I started finding funky things in my house like shadow and light and how shadow and light changes and alters and dances. Um oh. so you know, it's I, I'm a big shifter of focus anyways. <laughs> so um it's it's not too hard for me to stop and go, Hey, that's really cool. Um I, I think Many times in my life, people have, you know, kind of wanted to wave their hand in front of my face and go, hey, hello, are you there? Because sometimes I go, hey, that's really cool um, <laughs> at the wrong time. <laughs> I don't know. Is there a wrong time to see beauty? I think that's a great quality. I, I don't I don't think there's a wrong time to see beauty. I think it can make people uncomfortable though when you zone out, um, especially if you're if you're around them. Because whenever you zone out, you have to stare somewhere. You know, like you you're not really looking at anything, but you're just looking. And um, sometimes it makes people uncomfortable to see you do that, but. Uh, you know, I've been doing it for years and years and years, so this one's not too hard. I'm eagerly anticipating today's Tuesday, um, so tomorrow is Chapter 2, because your book came on Wednesday. Oh. I think it's Wednesday. Yes, so. And uh, as you can see from the change on the show page slide rotator, uh, I think we have part of a limited number of books with a different cover than is going to be on the books Thursday. Yes, maybe maybe there'll be um, collector's items one day. <laughs> well, nice. it is it is to me already because <laughs> you sent it, so that's enough. But other well, people I'll might recognize that one day. Yeah. I'll have to send you the... the I have it. The new cover is more of a rainbow... Um, Rainbow theme. Yeah. They're very special to me. And um and it's it's a bit more vibrant. Although the the cover that you have is very peaceful, I felt. Oh, it's beautiful. Um they're both really nice, but uh, the rainbow has always done it for me too. Is it? And uh before I knew anything about chakras or any other color things. It was just a rainbow thing in the sky. <laughs> Although I admit I never took a video of a double rainbow and cried, but 
I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen that on YouTube. Yeah. Has everyone seen that? I feel like I'm special because I've seen that, but... <laughs> I haven't seen it. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll have to find it and, sh- and send it to you because it came quite an internet sensation because it's something Mountain Bears, this guy's name. I can't remember the I first know. name. If, but, you, if you put in Double Rainbow, oh, my God, in uh-huh. YouTube, I'll, I'll send it to you on Facebook. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's quite something. Uh, speaking of something... Uh, we've been having so much fun. We've blasted right back past break number one, and oh. we're about to. Which is good, good by me. I don't. We don't follow any particular <laughs> hard and fast rule. We just have what, a typical structure? pattern. <laughs> well, if you guys want to hear yeah, my yeah. double rainbow story after the break, I'll tell you. That, that would be perfect. awesome. We'll take a break. We'll hear about double rainbows. We'll make sure everybody knows where to find you and the book and everything on online. And yay! <laughs> what are we going to listen to, Jane? Surprise me. Huh? Surprise me. me. Okay. I couldn't hear you. There was a little fuzz. Sometimes oh, no. a little fuzz. Okay. Well, we'll we'll play a long song because you know. It won't be as long as two songs, but this will be like a break in a third. Um, and this is from uh, Larissa Stowe and Chakti Tribe. And we'll be back in about six, six and a half minutes. Stay with us, folks. Ooh. Okay.
Larissa Stowe and Shakti Tribe with uh, Christian Peace Prayer. And uh, and it is that's why I only have two of their songs and we don't get to play them as often as we'd like. Is One of them's almost six minutes and the other one's almost seven. So. Which one's almost seven? This one. Six. Oh, six right. minutes and 46 seconds. And the other and one's almost six? Is 541, yeah. Wow. And uh, I even thought about seeing if Brandon could beat match and, like, you know, take some of the instrumental out of the middle of them then. But that seemed wrong, so. No. I was glad we got to no, do that tonight. No, I don't want. No, no, you can't be touching her music. It's, no, it's just no. too too freaking good, really. Yeah, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm glad we got to share it and everybody had the patience with us. Thank you. So we have a few minutes left. So we have a rainbow story. Oh yeah, so my I have a I have a double rainbow story and it involves George Harrison who was the the my first meditation teacher who shared with me the, the shifting of focus practice that you're working with now, Jean. And I this was after George had made his transition into the the spirit world, the other spirit world, the invisible one to us. And I was at um I was visiting Olivia Harrison, his widow, and Danny, their son, at Fire Park in England. And I was with Danny and we were standing outside having a cup of tea. I wish it was a very British thing to do. And it was um kind of a grey, hazy day. And Danny and I were talking and he's he's a very spiritual person himself. And he said, You know, I just wish I wish that there were some kind of proof. I wish that I could just have some kind of 
indisputable sign that my dad is where where he said he was going because George was very deeply rooted in spirituality and had a, a clear uh, sense of where he was going when he left his body and was actually excited and curious about that transition and what it would be like. And literally moments after those words left Annie's lips, the brightest double rainbow that either of us had ever seen appeared in the sky. It was so, it was fluorescent. It was so bright in the gray sky. And it wasn't just a double rainbow, but the, it was like two arcs that were touching. Do you know what I mean? So it was like a mirror image which I had never seen before, and they were touching in the red. And we both just gasped. And Danny said, oh, I have to get the camera. And he ran to get a camera to try to take a photograph. And, of course, the camera wouldn't work. And I said, just sit down, just enjoy it. And so we sat there and watched this amazing display until, you know, eventually it slowly faded away. And then Danny turned to me and he said, do you think that was just a coincidence? So that happened. <laughs> no. no. There are no, no coincidences. That's exactly what it's, there's, there's no way that that was a coincidence. It was, it was spectacular. Amazing. Yeah. And what a, what a way for George to say hi. Double rainbow right. after... You know the Yellow Submarine movie, and the, that's what I kept seeing was like the rainbows coming out of stuff in the art. That uh, um, I, I can't think of the guy who's famous for '60s art, Max, but that did the artwork for the Yellow Submarine. Oh, I didn't know that. I have to revisit that because I don't think I've seen that since I was a child. Yeah, there's rainbows everywhere. Rainbows coming out of everything and <laughs> running around in circles, and you know. So I, that's what I that's what I started seeing in my mind when you were describing the scene. Oh wow! It was like because it was the guys in a submarine going around and trailing rainbows and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so great. Awesome stuff, Jane. Yes. Jane's in the awe zone. <laughs> we may. You made Jane be quiet. That's hard. That's hard. <laughs> it's, uh, it's getting easier. I have I have a magical rainbow story, just not a just not a magical double rainbow story, but <laughs> that is very 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 cool story and what wonderful beautiful confirmation for him. Yes. Yes. So this amazingly helpful and encouraging book and um, I would say new insight into meditation because I don't know if I've ever heard of a book that's got it quite laid out this way with video assistance and it's a very it's very easy to understand well-written direct one of the most honest titles I've ever seen Experiential um, sharing is what I'm going to call it. It's not a manual. It's not an instruction book. It's not. It's a sharing of experience, an honest sharing of experience, and an invitation to join and explore. Yeah. 
that experience. Well, and, and, and an invitation perhaps to look at meditation in a different way, which you could say would be shifting your focus about meditation. <laughs> oh, that, no, I didn't do that. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. But it, it is true. It's, different, it's a different way of looking at meditation because I think in the past there have been kind of rigid schools of meditative um, practices. Like you had to either, you know, be with the Taoist or you have to be with the yogis. But I don't know that um, that anyone has looked at meditation as meditation. It's all it's all connected and it's it's all good. There isn't one winner. It's all they're all right. Absolutely. And that that it's a buffet of flavors and that there's a flavor that fits everybody. And and ultimately it's about you, the one who's practicing, who's who's experimenting. Ultimately it's about your experience. It it, it eventually doesn't have anything to do with the Taoists or the Yogis or the Zen uh schools it has to do with you and what you experience and and how you know how much peace you can bring into your life and with peace comes joy and bliss and happiness and creativity and inspiration all wonderful experiences okay so where I've put up some links to Amazon so that people can find the book. Uh, and I will do that on our archive as well. Uh, would the Huffington Post link be the easy one? or oh. Where should we send folks to find out more about you? And Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the Huffington Post is great. I have a lot of blogs there. I have my own website, which only has my children's books on it, um, but I'll add this one to it, and um, Amazon.com is good, uh, I have my YouTube channel, which is Please Meditate, so. Yeah, and I would say again that the title of the book is Please Meditate, it's good for you, and that's what I mean about one of the most honest titles <laughs> that I've ever heard, is, you know, it's it's not, please meditate and you will arrive in Nirvana by September 17th. <laughs> or any of that other kind of stuff. It's, look, please meditate. It's good for you. <laughs> Eat your spinach. It's good for you. What? what? Give it a try. It's not what you think. Probably. Oh, my goodness. Oops. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's it's not complicated. I don't feel. No. No. And, no certainly and, not. Not at all. But like anything in human that's you know existed throughout human history for longer than the last five minutes, it's somebody's figured out how to make it that way. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, true, but it's, it's it really is the ideal book for anybody who's ever. Who, who's ever even had it cross their mind, maybe I should try that. Even if that thought was gone, you know, in, in a fleeting moment, um, never to return again, it, it's it's really the perfect book. Um, and that's coming from somebody who, you know, 
I was telling people, just leave me alone. I meditate in my own way. I don't need to. (laughs) Well, or somebody like me that would hear the little, still, small voice, you know, try that meditating. No, I can't do that. I can't sit still, be still. What? I can't do that. I don't have time for all that. Uh, Also known as resistance, I suppose you could say. Or stubborn, Irish. You know, whatever. Um, This is a great way to be able to take a look at the fact that there's a lot of different ways that this has been done, but it's all about the same thing, uh, which is finding that eye of the hurricane, that quiet spot in the middle, which really is where everything happens. We experience it out in the wind and the turbulence of physical reality, but it it happens in that quiet place and then goes out there. So we've got, and of course, no hard and fast ending. We've got four minutes. Yeah, I've got a question. Oh, you've got a question. Okay. Yeah, since we've got a little bit of time. If we gave you the mic thing, but you ask a question and then we'll do the if we gave you the mic thing. Um, I'm just curious. If you happen to have a favorite form of meditation, Olivia. You know, I love uh, the work of Eckhart Tolle, as as you know. And he talks about um, turning your life into meditation. And I have to say that that's my favorite form, is finding peace in every moment. And then beyond that, you know, if you mean like a form from from the book that's that's a, a sitting session, it's really hard. I, I I I love all of them. Um I'm I'm thinking about it now. I it's hard to pick a favorite. It's like choosing a favorite child because <laughs> they're all, I was just looking at my table of contents thinking, do I have a favorite? They're all really different and beautiful in their own way. Um, ah, diversity. It's such yeah. a wonderful, amazing thing. Yeah. Go back to the rainbow again. I mean. Even I, at the most yeah. crazy Ice cream shops that have no selection. They have, they still have at least two flavors almost always. And some of them have like 31 flavors. Yeah. And I'm glad they do. I don't... I'm a just nut for vanilla bean ice cream, but I do not buy it every time I go. Yeah. And, I like rainbow ice cream. And, and, and I think, too, it's indicative, you know, people can look at some of your history and see that you haven't been just a dabbler in some of these meditation forms and and ways of living you've thrown yourself into them completely yeah. and and yet it's still hard for you to pick a favorite so except that meditation is a favorite and 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 that to me is just a beautiful indicator that they're all just different paths that go to the same garden, fountain, and bench, and peaceful place to sit down for a minute. It's true. It is like different flavors, you know. 
it is like having a, a wide variety of restaurants to choose from that are all wonderful. Oh, that's beautiful. Wide variety of restaurants. I should write that down. Okay, so why don't we do the, if you had two minutes, three minutes, to tell the world what you wanted to tell them, what would you tell them? You know, I don't think that I have as much to to say to the world as I would like to, you know, ask ask them about their experience of peace and perhaps ask the, the world um to reflect on what brings them peace in life and lasting peace versus temporary peace. Um, I think that that's an interesting topic to contemplate and how how important is peace, not only um, the peace for the entire world, obviously to come out of conflict and violence, but for inner worlds as well, you know, is there conflict and inner violence within within yourself that you can become aware of and begin to address? Because I feel strongly that peace is possible for everyone and it's really important to cultivate, not only for oneself, but for the world at large, because our inner peace will lead to a more peaceful culture, more peaceful world. And it also creates peace for posterity, for the children who are growing into the world. It's setting that example for them, modeling that for them, and bringing that energy into our reality for posterity. I think that it's important, and it's really possible. I mean, that's about it. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Not going to experience peace in the world till we experience it in ourselves. It's one way I would maybe look at it. But if you can experience it within yourself... And it doesn't really matter whether the world ever is at total peace. Mm. Because you are. Yes. And, uh, and, but that's where I believe that that, that belief of mine that, that the peace in the world comes when people become at peace. Mm-hmm. Um, for the world to be at peace. You say, I want the people of the world to be at peace. Okay, yes, me too. It doesn't have anything, doesn't have anything to do with government uh, treaties or anything. That comes after. Um, and it happens, I mean, instantaneously. If you look at the fall of the Berlin Wall or how quickly communism fell in Russia, there's a shift in the people. Right. Yes. And the structures respond almost instantly. It's yes. remarkable. Yeah, they have to. And um Absolutely. And and again it goes back to those masters that one of my favorites in particular who happened to walk on water and um stop storms. 
<laughs> you know, you, you have to be, you have to be the peace in order to create the peace. Yeah. It, the world is a mere reflection of your vibration. So, when you can maintain that inner calm, then the storm is going to dissipate, go away. And blue skies are what you're going to experience. Yes. Yeah. Maybe a rainbow. Maybe, Maybe a, a rainbow. rainbow. <laughs> awesome. That would be awesome. Double rainbow. OMG. YouTube. <laughs> Check it out. All right, folks. It's been a wonderful evening. Fantastic information. Please pick up the book. Uh, please meditate. It's good for you. Yes. Please meditate. It's good for you. Don't have to get the book, but please meditate. If I can do it, damn it, anybody can. <laughs> That's about a fact. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, that what she said. <laughs> Thank you, Olivia, for once again gracing us with your presence. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you and, for having me. And being the one, one of the ones bringing this energy out of little closed spaces and into the world where it is for posterity. That's um, quite a blessing. Thank you. Oh, it's my honor. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Okay, folks, Thursday night, Jerry Hearn. Mm, first yes. accidental first guest. Ever guest our, on Everyday Connection is returning. Tourist. He's coming back and she's threatening to bring a bunch of authors with her and has sent books and is... I think going to have lots to talk about this time. Not that we were at a loss last time, but no, certainly not. But I think the um, tone of the conversation is going to be a complete 180. Yeah, she's come out of the she came out of the spiritual broom closet, sort of with us on the radio on our show, and uh, and she's all the way out in the courtyard now. So stood on her truth and uh, is having a blast to be quite yeah. honest. And quite successful in a very short period of time. So we're going to explore that and see what she's up to. What that looks like. And then yeah. next week, uh, Janet Caldwell that we mentioned, and then Franco De Nicola will be back. Mm-hmm. De Nicola will be back. And he'll tell me how to pronounce his name again. And I'll forget <laughs> it again. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> so join us again Thursday night. Until then. Stay connected. Join Rick and Jean again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and be sure to like their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Worried you might miss an episode? Don't worry. Subscribe. Find us on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your everyday connection. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted.
We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. 